You're right. We missed the regularly scheduled election, but elected officials can be recalled, impeached, given the boot. Think of Nixon. Hey. Ben, think of you. Oswald Cobblepot filling the void. I'd like to fill her void. I need signatures to overturn the ballot. I can supply those, Oswald. Teach her my French flipper trick. Oswald, we need one more thing. A platform. Stop global warming. Start global cooling. Make the world a giant icebox. I like it. The mere recall, we have to have a catalyst, a trigger. How are you doing great, Mayor Cobblepot? Your table is ready, Mayor Cobblepot. I need you, Oswald. I need you now. That's the biggest parasol I've ever seen. An incident like the Gulf of Tonkin or the Reichstag fire. You want my old friends up there to drive the mayor into a foaming frenzy? Exactly. Sounds fun. But I, I, I mustn't get sidetracked, Maxie. I got my own things to tend to. Sidetracked, Oswald. This is your chance. Fearful of destiny, your parents carelessly discarded. Reclaim my birthright, you mean? Imagine this matter. You have the ear of the media. Access the captains of industry. Unlimited boom bang. You drive a hard bargain, Maxie. All right, I'll be mayor. Burn, baby! Burn. I am from beyond. Listen, and all you desire will be yours. Welcome to Spider-Man and the Secret Wars. Prepare for battle. Alter Nativity Stories. Welcome to Prattle World. I am your host, the ever-amazing, ever-spectacular Spider-Dan. And in this podcast, I spotlight entertainment's best-kept secrets that a mainstream audience may find boring. And welcome to Alternativity Stories, a month-long look at alternative stories set around the most wonderful time of year. And I have both beauty and the beast in one luscious Christmas gift uh, for this podcast, as we are talking Batman Returns, the Christmas-themed Tim Burton sequel to Batman 1989. And I have my Penguin Man of the Sewer, Angry Andy Reviews, is here. Hello. Oh, you lovely person. <laughs> you just got me somebody who lives in the sewer. The what Penguin Man. <laughs> and we have the ever, ever delectable Femme Fatale, or feline fatal, uh, Tonya Todd is here as well. Meow. Meow indeed. Uh, so we are here, in a sense, to to talk about Batman Returns. I've talked about this on the podcast before. People know my feelings on it. I love it. It is the best parts of Tim a Tim Burton film and best parts of a Batman film. 
wrapped up again in a luscious Christmas gift pack. Uh, but we're going to talk about this in full. Um, but I had never heard Tonya's opinions on this film. I have heard Andy talk about it and we've discussed it many a time, quoted it over on the Hulk She-Hulk podcast as well. Um, but I, uh, I I said I was going to do this by, with Andy and then Tonya sent me like a little kind of looky eye emoji and I was like, oh shit, she wants to be on this too. And I was like, I, I, I assumed she'd talked about it on another podcast. I don't know why, but I was like, no, she has to be on it. We have to have a, we have to, I mean, there's three leads effectively in this film that have share a similar amount of screen time. Uh, so Tonya, why don't you tell us a little bit about Batman Returns and why you love it or why it was so influential on you? It's my favorite movie. Is it? It is. Wow, okay. It's, it's God's gift to me, my favorite character played by my favorite actress in my favorite costume. I can't argue with that. No, I'm not, neither can I to be there. Fair enough. <laughs> wow, it's your it's your favorite movie. I didn't know it was your favorite movie. I just thought you, you know, it's maybe in your top ten or something. But uh Well, it, it is that. <laughs> number one. Number one. <laughs> I could probably recite the entire thing. I, I was debating, do I even need to watch this again? And I did. And I'm just saying every line. Like, oh, well, I must be miserable to watch this with, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, you you were in, in, in a sense, uh, kind of a, a, a crazy cat lady. And, and has this. No, I'm not crazy. <laughs> <laughs> kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, but uh, did, did this particular version of this character, is this what kind of influenced your love of Catwoman? No, I already loved Catwoman. And, you know, usually I'm a purist. You would think that it would bother me that she's not a thief. I mean, they really did rewrite her origin story. But I'm sorry, when you look like that, I don't care. I just don't care. I love what they did with her. She was, and she's usually brunette too. And I tend to lean toward brunette because, you know, there were no black people on screen. At least I could have a brunette representation. <laughs> she's amazing. She is. She's a spectacular actress, and she played the hell out of this role, even though it's not treated like a serious film. Uh, no, certainly not. Um, there are some very serious topics, but also a lot of kind of black humor as as well in this film. It's a it's a really interesting mix, um, and it was not to a lot of people's tastes at the time, um, especially McDonald's. But I'm sure we'll get into that. <laughs> Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Andy, what, what are your thoughts and feelings on Batman Returns? This film has been a staple of Batman as a whole for me since I was a kid. I remember um, my nan, bless her, picking up um, at my request. I must I must have been quite young, probably about, I say quite young, probably about eight or nine, I think, when I was really into Batman. And we were at a, a VHS store and they were there, the Batman 89, Jack Nicholson and this film. And they were both 15 rated because that's what they were rated as here because of the BBFC for whatever reason. And I asked her to pick me both of them up. And it was this film, Batman Returns, that just cemented my love of Batman. Just the way, the way, the way, the way it shot, the way, the way that, the characters are everything's so dark and yet it's so punchy and clowny. And I've always I've always enjoyed how that sort of blends in without any effort almost. It it's it's so fun. There's a lot of action in it. You've got this grandiose, you know, score in the background, and you've got this 
scary gargoyle Batman just, you know, he barely moves and yet you, you, you're transfixed by everything he does. I, I love it. It's it's top three for me. The Dark Knight trilogy, um, especially um, the Dark Knight itself and the Dark Knight Rises sort of overtook it, but it's, it's in the top three. It's number three for me in my in my Batman list. I, I absolutely I absolutely adore it. I, I think for me, I know objectively it's not the best Batman film, or maybe mm. you know maybe not in the top four. You know, best reviewed, best rated among yeah. audiences or critics. But it is my favourite. I like. Uh, there's something about it—the mix of all these kind of disparate elements, all these actors, all these characters that yeah. necessarily shouldn't really fit together, but they kind of somehow yeah. work. It's amazing how it works. Like, there's, there's, there's so many elements of this film that you think really shouldn't work. It gets on with it as well. It doesn't really stop. It's constant. There's so much being thrown at you, and yet. You don't feel out of pace. You don't feel like you've missed something. Yeah, I think it's purely because the performances. I think the performances and the direction is so inch perfect. You you go along with it. You you with it the entire time. There's not one moment. Well, I say not one moment. Uh, Max Shrek's son. Oh dear, terrible. Um, <laughs> Dad, go save yourself. Dad, go. No, that's the only part where I go. Oh. Like Arnold Schwarzenegger's son. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But bar a few sort of if you're gonna if you're gonna nitpick, bar a few nitpicks, I think it's 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 just a, a, a perfect film, really. For a superhero movie, I think it's it's absolutely perfect. But like you said, it's not everyone to everyone's cup of tea. And I can I can I can see why, because it is so gothic and dark and riddled with sexual innuendo, but yes, absolutely. It goes beyond innuendo sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But it works. It works for the characters. It works. Oh, it does. It works. It works to show juxtaposition between severe trauma that Michelle Pfeiffer's character goes through, and shows like the harsh realities of you know, even like Penguin himself, he, uh, an abandoned abandoned child. It, it plays to it. It works to it because you you empathise in some way with what they're, what they're going through, and yet they go to the extremes. All three of them have some kind of trauma that they're they're working through yeah. with their personas. Yeah, there, there's absolutely a duality to every single character. You know, we've got the penguin who is this you know abandoned, abused child. He's you know he's born a little different, as he says, and but then on the other side, he's like vengeful and a child murderer, and and it's you know goes into you know some detail but not too much detail you know mm. selena kyle is this you know assistant secretary whatever you want to call her but then when she has her accident she unleashes this kind of you know she says hear me roar you know it's a it's a very feminist kind yeah. of ideal and her story is is a huge kind of you know it's a feminist story it's a feminist arc yeah. um the line it, i love about the, the line i love about sorry to cut in the line i yeah, love true. with selena kyle is how can you be so mean to somebody so meaningless? And then later on in the film, she's like, you guys, well, I think it's always confusing your your pistols with your privates. Pistols with your privates. She, 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 she switches so much. It's severe brain trauma, obviously. It opens up bipolar, you know, a psychological, you know, complete split. I mean, Bruce Wayne says it later on down the line, we're, we're, we're split down the middle, two people. The, 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 the things they go through create these alternate personas. It's so great how they're able to deal with that and yet add in a form of levity. Maybe that's what people didn't like. Maybe they they wanted it more, more, more fun, um, or you know, 
just deal with it in a serious manner. But mm. I think you do need that kind of levity in this film because if it was too dark, it just it simply wouldn't work yeah. at all. Because it does it. feel like the most serious of the four, you know, of the four that are sort of kind of connected. Yeah, 100%. It's definitely the most serious, and some people might not like that it wasn't as camp. Mm. Like, there's a hint of camp, but it's definitely not the campiest of... I mean, yeah. It doesn't come anywhere near the last two. Yeah, but, I, find that, I find that interesting, especially when we... like th- This film still gets a bit of... Not ridicule, but sort of like, oh, you know, well, you know, whatever. It doesn't get the respect that it deserves. Yeah, considering how, you know, positively received Batman Begins was, and then The Dark Knight came out and shot up. And that's it's deadly serious. There are moments of levity, but it comes right. from the villain. There's no moments of levity from Bruce Wayne. You know, we get, you get slide, you get small jokes, but they're serious crime driven films so it surprises me that when people look back on batman returns they don't go oh well i can see what they're trying to do they're trying to keep they're trying to have these serious elements in lighten the tone and it, it's it, it does kind of confuse me that people do sort of you know say oh it's it's, it's not worth the time which uh, to me is completely wrong no i i i am agreeing a hundred percent with you both i i think No matter what you do with Batman, there has to kind of be a little bit of camp, just a little bit, because we are talking about, you know, characters that dress up like cats and bats and birds and clowns. You know, there is there has to be just a little touch of, you know, we know what we're doing. We know this is, you know, we're trying to take this seriously, but there is still an, you know, an air of ridiculousness. And I I think that they I disagree with that because in Batman Begins, that was the worst part was when they forced the campy lines. Mm. There's almost a perfect scene and they end it with nice coat. Oh my God, why did you say that there? It just ruined the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that line didn't didn't work. And but there I have got to get me one of these. No, this is not a line that uh, needs to be said in that I, movie. I hate like, that line. I hate that line from those are the two worst the lines in that movie, and it just it makes me violently angry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, like I'm not I'm not saying that everything has to be be camp, but that I, I think you have to kind of appreciate that some people, you know, might find this a little silly or a bit bizarre. But I think if you embrace it's it, and for go them. To, fair enough, yeah. But yeah, it's it, I I kind of appreciate the bizarre in this and the freaky because I think this is one of those instances when a director does a really good job first time out, and they do a sequel and they go, you know what, that was great that first one. Go nuts, whatever you want. Go crazy. <laughs> Go they, give nuts. Him, they give him, they give him like carte blanche. Mm. And and I was listening to Tonya's Era of Geek episode. Go and check out that podcast. Excellent podcast. And you were talking about Wonder Woman 1984, and I feel like that's a similar situation. You know, there was this really good, solid film, and they were like, "Oh yes, it's made all the money." You know what? You were great. This was great. Go crazy, and then they don't rein the creatives back in yeah. enough. Um, and it's, it's looking like that was a really good idea, given the rumours that are flying around at the minute. Oh dear. Yeah, Oof, yeah, they're all rumours. Yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing confirmed. Uh, no, it's it's all up in the air. The DC stuff, and it always will be. You can say that about any any of the Marvel films as well. Though, to be True. fair, yeah, yeah. It, there's Iron, a lot of... Iron Man Two is a great example of. And there's a bit too much in here. Mm. You should have oh. reined it in a bit more. I agree, but yeah. So it's it's one of those, and and we. And I think, but it does kind of serve the story. It does kind of help. I think uh, the the gothic look. I think Gotham looks great. I think it does it? It's just gorgeous. I love the the look in this film. Oh, the the cinematography. The 
Oh, yeah. by far. It's the by best Gotham yes. we've seen. Um, it is. Considering how much, how much I, how highly I rate the Dark Knight trilogy, it's just Chicago with bits of yeah. New York. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but yeah, Batman Returns, Gotham look is superb. Atmosphere, the, the beautiful, even just the shine to it. It's like, it's somehow dreary and shiny at the same time. So you get that glossy latex look in places. I love it. Yeah, and it's like what I was saying before about sort of the, the Batman being the living gargoyle because he is jumping from Gothic building to Gothic building. Right. You know, that's where the terror comes from because you, you, where is he? That's what I like about it. It's that idea that it could be any one of these gargoyles and figures looking down on people. That's what I love about it. I love that imagery. I love that idea and that feel. Right. He's there the whole time, like Michael Myers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and he's you know he's he's always there when he needs to be. You know. There'll be there'll be somebody who's saying, "Oh, it's very convenient that Batman just turns up at the right place at the right time." But it it, it needs he's Batman. Kind of, yeah, exactly. That's that's his. He, that's what he does. Um, I do I do quite like the uh, the the giant spotlights uh, on Wayne Manor. With uh, giant... I could see that as being a critique moment. Like, really, <laughs> how hard would it be for someone to follow the trail? You know. Yeah. And uh, and I love that he. I, I, I'll be honest. I love that shot where he's brooding. You know, in the manner. I do love that he's just sitting in the dark. It's brooding right. is sexy. <laughs> just brooding in his Tim Burton manner, and uh, that the signal comes in, and he just stands up. It's an epic kind of shot, and then and yeah. then the, the score kicks in, and you're like, um, which I think the score in this is a gorgeous. It's brilliant. Score. Yeah, it's ramped, ramped up from from the first one. I love it. I love the 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 intro to this film, and when they when they go into the the main title sequence, um, with the music, it it you, you feel the energy, and that's the great thing. You, you get the energies there immediately, and you're like, yes, okay, this, right. this, we're going to get it, and it keeps going right the way through. And like, Danny Elfman music really lends itself to the whole circus theme, where you have the circus theme music within it. Yeah. Yeah, we still get the dark and broody Gotham side of it. This is, I think, his best soundtrack. Yeah, it's definitely one of my favorites. I really like, um, I really like the Nightbreed one because it's quite similar to this, but it's more like if Batman was a vampire in Nightbreed. That that mm. is uh, the score. Well, there. there is that story. <laughs> there is there is that story. Um, speaking of, of vampires, um, I know obviously Tonya's a huge uh, vampire fan as well, Dracula fan. Um, and this this film is dripping in neo gothic yes. and silent. <laughs> Why do film. you think it's my favorite? <laughs> <laughs> you know the Metropolis. Um, you know Fritz Lang's Metropolis influenced the look of Gotham. You can see that. Max and then we Shrek. get a, a little right. Shout out to Max Shrek. Nosferatu. It's definitely. There's also definitely a bit of Dr. Caligari in there um, as well. The cabinet of Dr. Caligari. This is why I say that. You know, when people doubt God, I don't. This film is the evidence for me. <laughs> <laughs> Not only does God exist, He loves me because He gave this to me. Gave us. Ah. Yeah, you know what? It is God's gift to two films and to to Batman. Um, so speaking of of Max Shrek, um, when you were talking about like uh, Selena Kyle, it was like I love that, I love that line was like, "Who well, know she had a brain to damage." Um, yeah. <laughs> she tries uh, to blackmail me. I'll drop her out a higher window, but right now I got better fish to fry. <laughs> <laughs> <It was> better fish. <laughs> better fish to fry. 
Um, even the even the t- really tiny moments in this, like it, it, not even like two minutes of like like when Trek confronts Selena Kyle in the office, that is dripping with tension and dread yeah. and fear yeah. and like real fear, like genuine fear that you know women would experience maybe back then or even today in the workplace. Yeah. And and when he plays it off like a joke, you're like, oh, that tension's relieved, but then he just fucking throws her through that window it's a horrifying scene though it's, yeah. uh, it's quite a terrifying scene because you, even though she hits the like the you know the i was gonna say flags not flags are there like um the canopies canopies that's it she hits yeah. the canopies on the way down but you, you well you, all you of her deaths river, don't are you, all the way down this it's like you don't know for sure you could you could argue that she didn't really die in those situations mm. and i think that was mm. intentional because yeah. okay, so you could hit and you would be really injured, but if you had yeah. all of that stuff breaking your fall all the way down, yeah, you probably wouldn't die. She counts yeah. down the deaths, doesn't she? Right at the end, she's counting down. Right. She goes, "Well, Max killed me, Batman killed me, the Penguin killed me, and I've got like this many lives left." And uh, spoilers for the film if you haven't seen it, but <laughs> she's she said she's going to save one for next Christmas. Yes. Um, so, uh, which I love, and I thought actually, you know, there's. Because it, it implies that there might be something somewhat supernatural, like when all the cats come and they start biting her and like nibbling on the fingers. It's implied, but there's an argument either way. So you yeah. could say, yes, she's supernatural. She has nine lives. Yeah. She died every one of those times. Or you could say none of them was really bad enough to kill her. Absolutely. It's just another another layer of psychosis. I uh, yeah, let's let's talk about Max Shrek a bit. Do we think he's a he's a good addition to the the Batman lore? He's a totally original character, um, totally new, introduced in this film. He's he's not appeared in the comics as of yet, but you know, time time will tell. Um, what do we think to Chris Walken and his um, corrupted businessman? He was a classic Tim Burton design: the striped suits and the hair. Uh, I I love him. I think I think he's a great character. Uh, I always assumed that he was like taken from the comics in some format. It was only it was only later on in life that I, I I learned that he was completely made up and fascinated by that by that choice and by that decision. I think it's it's a form of like trying to ground the villains, isn't it, into something real? And he's the the master manipulator in a way, isn't he? He's the one that's responsible for creating. Catwoman, as she is, he's also responsible for creating the Penguin later on, like the the perceived later terror that he would create, he would cause on Gotham if Batman doesn't stop him if he becomes mayor. So he's he's almost like like a puppet master, isn't he? In a way, even though he has no control over uh, Catwoman, he, he's he's the creator. He t- well, he ties all the the he's central the catalyst. Characters. I yeah. don't know that yeah. he would be the creator because he's not the one who brought her back to life. He's not the one who gave her her power. He just gave her the reason. Yeah, yeah. to fight back. Yeah, it was the the final the final push to go over the edge. Oh, yeah. uh, in a, in a sense, um, do do we think do we think Selena Kyle had um, psychological problems before? Like she talks about like that that kid being dead and and stuff like that later on or is dead that now. yeah dead now <laughs> he's dead now um do we think that maybe there was you know there was some underlying issues she already had Don't yeah we because all we have psychological issues yeah tell me are about you it. going to judge her for this no 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 i'm just i'm just wondering if if where we where we land on it is it you know was yeah. was she always going to be this character was she always going to become this or do we think without they that point push? towards it they point towards it don't they so 
She has yeah. all these cats visiting her apartment. Yeah. They point it's to already the, answer, the answer machine, doesn't she? When she's listening to all the all the messages, when she flips out, all the messages, it's like the you must yeah. be, you have to be the ideal woman. Use this fragrance to be the ideal woman. Uh, this is your mother calling. You've not done this. You've not done that. When she's trying to she's trying to build up her own independent life, and then she then the boyfriend. Oh, I can't go. I think we should spend some time together and all uh, apart and all oh, this. And doc, doctor says I should live for myself. You know it's. There's constant stuff there going on in the background that we don't see actually happening. Her, needling her, needling her. Yeah. And I do want to point out, she had that coat in her closet already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she did. <laughs> but it's it's those things. So there are things. I don't know if she's got any specific trauma or whether it's just constant pressure being put on her to be the idea. Right. It's to do what it's like part. to be a woman in this yeah. situation where you just have all of these expectations and it doesn't matter how smart you are or how hard you work. Everyone is always telling you what you should be doing, what you should be thinking, how you should be behaving, and she's she's just fed up. Yeah, if you make one mistake, that's it. It's it. Everything's your fault because she forgets to give him the speech, and it's instantly like Matt. Even Max says, "Remind remind me to take it out on what's her name." They don't even know a name. She's invisible to them, and yet she's to blame for everything that goes wrong. And it's those it's the the weight of everything coming on on top of her, living in a, a crummy apartment, you know working for 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 men that don't even see her until she doesn't bring the coffee or until she forgets about the bloody speech and when she comes up with a really good idea they bat it off as like well well at least you can make good coffee so there's there's constantly that i think that that that's that's her that's her trauma there's nothing specific in terms of something that's happened in the past i think it is literally just weight continuous weight being put on top of her until she does until that catalyst does happen where she does snap. Well, I, I was I was watching this again with like kind of new eyes. I, tr- I was like, what have I not noticed or, or took in? And I remember when we were talking about She Hulk Tonya, and we were you were describing all the men have have taken stuff away from Jennifer Walters or have have caused issues for her. And I realized in this, it's like, yeah, all the blokes are her problem in this. And like every single man has done something to her. Like obviously she has a connection with Bruce Wayne. Um, but even then she's like, you know, it's it's a fractious uh, relationship. And I was like, yeah, this is an absolute kind of, you know, I, I've I've always seen it as such, but I, I really tapped into it watching it this time. Um, just saw that, yeah, it's it's that unfortunate journey. And, and in some ways, a lot of these things have not changed in business, Hollywood or, or wherever. And, and I think that story is, you know, as relevant as it ever has been. And that was... Uh, it was 30 years ago this year uh, when the film was released, so it's the anniversary. Um, so that was released in July, uh, the Christmas film, uh, much like <laughs> Iron Man Three. Christmas uh, in July. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I really, I really got into that and got really invested in the in that journey this time. Um, speaking <laughs> of uh, speaking of the opposite end of that, uh, let's talk about uh, Danny DeVito's Penguin, who is the misogynist character of all time one of the uh how do we feel about uh danny's portrayal a very unique portrayal of the classic batman villain for me he is he's, he's one of the best comic book performances it's up there with like thanos as a villain performance for me because it's it's not it's it's a three-dimensional character it's not just a character sprouting lines 
like you could argue in in the majority of um, superhero movies, he's got motivation, he's got desire, he's got want, he's got need, he's got he's he's got a level of empathy. At some at some point in this film, which I've always loved, you do actually want him to find his parents alive, like early on. Even when I when, even when I rewatch this, when he says he wants to find his parents, I'm still like, fucking hell! If he finds them alive and he has some kind of you know reconnection with them, none of this shit happens. If they if they if they open arms and take him in, if they're alive still, and he forgives them, none of this shit happens. The film the film ends, and we we well we don't we get we get Catwoman still, but we don't get the majority of the rest of the film. So there is that moment. Whether it's genuine or not, and that's what I find fascinating about his performance. Whether it's genuine or not, when he's in the graveyard, you know, when when they when they're talking to him about him, like saying, "Well, you, you you'll never get to say, it. they'll never get to, you know, you'll never get to reconcile with them, will you?" And he has that little stumbling moment where he goes and he looks up and goes, "True," and you're like, "Is that genuine? Is that a genuine reaction?" Where he's like, "I really wish I could." No, reconcile. I don't think I, it is. I think the whole thing was a performance. That, I think that, he yeah. knew his parents were dead before he even before he. But that's what's fascinating. Yeah, but that's what's fascinating and I think for me. The whole thing it, was a ploy to yeah. get those names. But that's what I mean. It plays. It plays into the rest of the film. That's what I find fascinating about his character because yes. he's able to make it look like there is possible a possible level for you to empathize with his character before he starts doing terrible things. That's what makes him a good sort of villain politician character because it makes it a good story too because yeah. you're not watching it knowing for sure that it's all fake. So exactly. I'm saying on multiple viewings, to me, yeah. All of this was a performance. He was just trying to get all those yeah. names. He knew his parents were dead. He knew his yeah. name the entire time. However, just watching it for the first time, you can see how it looks genuine. It looks like, or at least it could be genuine. Yeah. And that's what I think is really great about Danny DeVito. He's performing within a performance. He's adding more. He's right. adding more into the character. He's covering things up. So when he when he's when he's playing when he's cobblepot in the film, he's still penguin. So he's wearing another facade. So later on, when he flips out and goes, "I'm not the don't call me cobblepot. I'm the penguin." So there's constantly people putting on masks, like they say later on. You know, there's, there's, this there's whole two film of us. is about masks. Exactly. So the, the, that's what I find. It's it's such a great performance. It doesn't get the recognition it deserves. Purely because, and they were all in. They're, they're playing these comic book roles, but they're all in. They are yeah. living these characters. They are not. They're not even acting. They are. They are these characters. You don't feel like, oh wow, they're pretending to be this person. They're not. They're. They're all in. And Danny DeVito definitely. It's like he was made to be that character. And I'm not saying because he was short. You can be short. That doesn't mean you're going to have all of that trauma in your movements. He yeah. moved like he was the penguin, and that's what that's what's, what's so good about it is because it's not comic book accurate, apart from little little tweaks and things when he puts the hat on and you see the posters in the background. It's not right, the little homage comic. moments to yeah. to the character and the yeah comics. to the, the classic like sixty. But all the grunting, like the way he he's just having a conversation, he just mm, mm. Like yeah, you just hear him. It's part of how he he speaks, yeah. and that's not something that comes off on a first reading. No, no. He really immersed himself in that role. Yeah, creating the character for himself, creating it believable as he would see it as like this grotesque sort of clown, you know, figure. And for for me, it's actually, you know, I'm quite well versed in sort of the, the penguin, you know, from the Arkham games and from the animated show and you know the class the classic Adam West show and all that. But 
and obviously even with the Batman recently, but I still, you know, even though I know it's not comic book accurate, for me, this this penguin is the penguin for me. I, I can't see past it because I like the grotesqueness. I like, you know, even when then when he when he does like sharpen up, there's still a layer of like grotesqueness to it. I like that because you you would be able to I almost wish they didn't kill him. So the idea was there that he could come back because I would have loved to have seen more of this. And I think that's the thing with, with this film. When we talk about the end, I, I do wish we could have seen more from possibly some of these characters. It's it's a fascinating performance. It really is. And I think, I, I don't think you, you'll get a better Penguin performance. So all due respect to, to Colin Farrell, it, 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 Penguin wasn't that for me. It, it's the, the one thing in hindsight with the Batman that I've kind of gone off the boil with because and it's it's no fault of his, it's purely because my my perception of the penguin is this because I I love it so much. I idolize it so much. I idolize the performance, the lines, the throwaway dialogue. Even when he's fucking dying at the end of the film, when he goes to pick out an umbrella, and Dan knows what I'm gonna say. It's one. my it's one of my favorite lines when he goes, Oh shit, I picked a cute one. I bawl laughing every time. And it's like that that is his one shot to get a to get a kill shot on Batman and he fucks it up and he knows it and he goes, ah, oh, fucking hell. And then I just need a cool glass of ice water and then Murder he's you done. momentarily. Even, even in the last moments, there is full commitment to the to the grotesqueness, to the, the to the comicness. And yet when when he's dead, you you feel sorry for that he's dead because the penguins have absolutely bereaved. It's it's great. I love it. I absolutely love it. The the funeral march of the penguins is one of my favourites. Yeah, even though, I wonder even though why he made so you the penguin. Like... <laughs> <laughs> I I love that that funeral march. It does, it makes fuck all sense. Absolutely yeah. no sense <laughs> that they're they're grabbing him with their fl- their fins. Or don't even touch like him though, because he's, he's quite clearly on like a runner or something. <laughs> <laughs> they're just just pulling him down. Yeah. Um, you know, and all the the fucking goo. It's like a, it was like mouthwash. I think that he constantly has in his mouth. Like yeah. It's always spitting something out. Like <laughs> you know, it's oh, it's just brilliant. It's it's growth. It's the grotesquerie. It's almost like you know, you know what you would see in you know those kind of sideshow kind of attractions. Which you know, it's kind of ties into his story. And I, I'm I, in some ways, I would like to know a bit more about his backstory. How does he get from? the zoo when he's adopted by the penguins to the circus mm. to running the circus to you know and how does he get back um this was that's one good thing sorry but that's another yeah, good go thing about this film about his character there's the air of mystery still there about you know what happened to him in these intervening years from being dumped in the sewer to you know becoming what he is today I, you, you keep that mystery how did he learn to talk and read and learn yeah. who his parents were how did he become what he was not just yeah. survive but how did he become so educated in the ways yeah. that he was and not only that you can't but... see the circus people being like you know you need to do your schoolwork. yeah <laughs> but not, not only that but there's, there's that thing as well because it's not just him down there there's these other people as well so at some point those people put their trust in him to you know probably going in a bit too deep of it but when you think about those people must have had some trust and faith in him to lead them you know to look after them otherwise they wouldn't be there they wouldn't be doing the things they do and they all they all respect him and they all gather around they're always with him they're always 
it, it, it's fascinating. It's fascinating to imagine, you know, what happened when the circus fell apart, when it all... Right, how did he become the leader if yeah, he started exactly, out as yeah. a child? So, but I don't want to see a prequel because I'm sick of prequels and things like that. <laughs> well, well, in fact, um, there don't was say a... it. Hold fire, Andy. There was a comic book storyline, uh, kind of a short story, written by Danny DeVito himself. Uh, and it was a Halloween uh, comic book, and it has his story in in there. Uh, he now, wrote is himself. it his story that he came up with on his own as his character's backstory and motivation, or is this something that he worked on with Tim Burton? It wasn't with Tim Burton, I I don't believe. But I mean the story, not the not the short yeah. story, but like the the concept. I think I think they talked about it on set and before and developing the character. I think there was like a sketch by Tim Burton um, just to give him an idea and they kind of build on that. Um, but I think that particular comic was done like a couple of years ago now. So I think mm -hmm. it was just Danny. Oh, it's that recent. Yeah, yeah. It's only just, yeah, a few years ago now. Um, I'll see if I can find it. I'll leave a link or somewhere uh, in the show notes. But it is quite a, a recent thing that he did. And it, I'm not sure if it's... It's definitely not in continuity or in canon, so I'm assuming it's hit because he he's like so precious about his version of the penguin. It's like that's the only yeah, version yeah, that works yeah. for me. You know, we we you know he loves the you know he likes the Colin Farrell version, but he's like, nah, it's mine, mate. Mine's the mine's the be all and end all, and and people still remember him, and it's he's probably his arguably his most iconic role. I'd I'd say. Um, mm among all the stuff he's done directed or acted written um i think you know maybe maybe <clears throat> always sunny in philadelphia maybe um but apart from that i think it's people will always go batman returns penguin they will always link danny devito with that and it is like like you were saying it's such a an engrossing bizarre interesting yet kind of heartfelt performance and it's it's just a I love it. I uh, we did a podcast, me and Nathan, a few years ago. Top five uh, live action comic book character portrayals, and this was one of mine because I'm just like I'm in awe of it. It's just fully fleshed out, and like you said, layer upon layer upon layer. Right, the layers of okay, his fingers are all fused together and really gross, but then he puts the the shiny flippers on top of that. Yeah, so it's one more deception, you know, one more layer of his deceit. And his manipulation. What what do we think of his uh, his rise to mayor? Do we feel like that that worked, or was it a bit odd? Or well, the whole film's a bit odd. But did it did it work for his character? Do you think? I think it made sense. It's okay. That wasn't his original goal, but Max Shrek is crafty, and he's like, "Hey, this guy's blackmailing me, but maybe I can make this work for me. Yeah. Maybe I can get him in my pocket and I won't have all this difficulty I'm having with this stupid mayor who's trying to uphold, you know, like the law and everything. <laughs> <laughs> we can scratch each other's backs here and this will work out for me. So it didn't seem like a, a hard sell. He didn't want to do it at first, but, it, you know, as Dan, you pointed out, he he came up with the right way to do that. He, he's I haven't even dying to share. <laughs> it certainly did. Um, this this version this uh, this version version. This time I watched it. I I picked up on a very very quiet line of of Christopher Walken. So he's he's talking about like the Reichstag fire 
Um, I'm sure Andy knows a bit about that. He's a big history buff. Um, and it's like it was basically a communist attacked Hitler's, you know, uh, rally building or something like that. And then he used that as a jumping off point for his political ambitions and helped yeah. to form Nazi Germany. And that's exactly what Max is trying to do. He's like, right, if we stir up enough chaos with the circus gang, then we can use that as a platform for yeah. our political gain. Um, and that's exactly what they do. And uh, but the way he because convinced... it's always a good sign when you're like, let's do what the Nazis did. Yeah, um, <laughs> always, always good. Always oh, good. gone. Um, <laughs> right. And uh, I mean, I mean, we we're we're talking about all that German expressionism earlier, so it, you know, there's some there's something in that. But um, but yeah, the 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 thing that convinces Oswald Cobblepot is when Max says, "You can have this, you can have this, and you can have." Unlimited Poontang, <laughs> uh, which is a line I never thought I'd hear in a Batman film. Um, you know, so uh, yeah, that's that. Yeah. And, and he's like, "You drive a hard bargain, Max." <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, I'll be mayor. <laughs> I'll be mayor. Burn, baby, burn. You know all that, and it's it, it's great. And he's like, and he starts kind of playing up to it, and he's like, "Oh yeah, it's very good." And mm. and even where he's like, you know, you know. Batman sees him and he's like, "Oh, I'm just touring the riot scene, upstanding mayor stuff." Um, and he's just he's playing into that. I've I've kind of liked the Penguin in a. There's a line in it where you know, if uh, like Christopher Walken's like, if his family didn't eighty six to him, he could have been with you at prep school. Um, you know this this idea that he's kind of what Bruce Wayne is, but if Bruce Wayne went like with that grotesquery, that inner, inner grotesquery of Batman, yeah. that gargoyle that Andy described him as, that's Cobblepot's like outward appearance. But he's mm. deeply, he's deeply, you know, like there's even a line in the film where he's like, you know, I'm a real freak. You have to put on a mask. Yeah. As well. Like there's there's that I like You're that, just that jealous. <laughs> I'm a real freak. You have to put on a mask. You might be right. <laughs> Yeah, and there's that blue blue blood, and you know, and 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 I think that's a challenge for, you know, a lot of these villains relate to Bruce Wayne or Batman in some way, and I've always seen that he's, you know, he represents like the the aristocracy of the upper crust, you know, the the old money, um, and I've I've always liked that, and I think there's a lot of that in this as well. Um, I did notice a lot of Trumpian similarities uh, to to Cobblepot and to. Uh, to uh, Max Shrek as well, like the rise to power. I was like, oh, yes, they also like to grope women and other <laughs> things. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of similarities there. And I think I think uh, when when it was happening, there was some like, oh, he's a bit like Lex Luthor. No, he's like the Penguin. Um, he's he's freaky. Uh, but, yeah, I, I've always liked that kind of dichotomy between the two characters and how they interrelate in that, in that sense, yeah. um, Batman and Bruce Wayne. Uh, but, yeah... Uh, <laughs> I, I will. I will. I do have one. One of the problems with the film I have is where do they get those blueprints for the Batmobile? Yeah, that that's a fair complaint. Like, how are they able to break into a period? Mm, they're just like, and I love that they pull it apart. They, they absolutely destroy it. They take all the wires out, take the shields down, and at the end, they just pop this little cherry thing on the bottom, and that's it. Yeah. Right. Just do that. <laughs> don't don't do all the pulling out and stuff. But yeah, they've got blueprints, and he's like, "We're going to turn it into an H bomb on wheels." And you know, no, I'm just it's like, the blueprints and the remote that somehow is tuned in exactly. Like they did not explain that at all. How they have that kind mm -hmm. of tech, and how they have that kind of intel. 
that, that's my... thought they just kind of reverse engineer it. Like they they try and figure it out, and because I don't know, because to be fair, you could make the argument: well, where the hell do they get motorcycles from? Where the hell do they get mm. half the stuff they use in the film? I think it's a lot easier to find a motorcycle than it is to find this one vehicle yeah, plan that nobody should have access to except Bruce Wayne. True, but what about the Gatling gun accordion that the guy uses at the beginning of the film? <laughs> <laughs> Could have made that. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, that's my. Oh, I love that weapon. It's hilarious. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I don't know. I've, I've never really thought about it. I always thought they were just reverse engineering it. That's why they were. That's but why. If, you, if you're reverse, if you're reverse engineering, you need to have some. Right, you ha- need to have it. Yeah, to, yeah, to reverse a place engineer. To start. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and they never had access to it. They should have yeah. had him, like, you know, not arm it for whatever reason. Not yeah. have it be that they had the technology to get into it. Yeah. Like, maybe maybe he's got that. Maybe he's holding the dynamite. It's about to go off, so he doesn't have time to, like, mm. put the shields on. And then they're like, did he sneak in? If we don't have them do all this, we don't get the great moment when he goes, welcome to the Oswald Cobblepot school. Gentlemen, start your screaming. <laughs> they just could have written in a better reason for that, or any reason. Yeah. For that. They didn't give a reason. That was the problem. Yeah. Yeah. And because I am so pro Batman, it was like he would never let that happen. Yeah, and they he... never really address it. They never, like, he doesn't even question, how did this happen? How do I make sure this never happens again? And he even questions Alfred for letting Vicky Vale in the Batcave in the first right, film. But that's fair. That's yeah, a fair that is... complaint. Yeah, but yeah, it's uh, she was actually supposed to be uh, returning in this uh, initially, um, uh, because but script or she wasn't available. Kim basically couldn't be in it. Um, they were going to also have Billy. So D. they Williams. upgraded. I, I agree. I think they upgrade. I think. I think. Mo- I'll be honest. I think this whole film is an upgrade from the first one, pretty much. Agree. Yeah, I know. Um, I think and I like the first one. Yeah, don't get me wrong. You know, I I know there's a lot of purists out there who'll say 89 is the one, is the Batman. It's my definitive Batman. But I think this runs have it. Yeah. Leave this for us. This runs smoother. It's got more interesting characters. I think there's long periods of uh Kim Basinger and um Alexander Knox where they're investigating and doing reporter stuff, which I think is really dull, really boring. It's just like yeah. Get on with it. We know how Batman got his origin, but they kind of got to do it in this really boring way. They do have Bat Dance, though. That fair point. Fair point. That's a plus in that film. Party man, party man. Uh, I love, I love the Prince soundtrack again. Totally bizarre, but works in some some of the scenes. Um, but I think, I think when it's not Keaton, when it's not Joker, I, I can take it or leave it. You know, when it's yeah. not Jack Nicholson or Keaton on screen. It's 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 not that there's not much there for me to grab onto. Uh, there's a couple of times where I've turned it off because it like halfway through it just gets into this kind of you know this reporting stuff where I'm just like it's dull, it's boring, you know. And and the Max Shrek stuff isn't dull and boring when it should be, you know. It's it's not should be, but when it when you think oh he's talking could about be. yeah it could be rather and it, it could be dull and it's politics and it's power and it's manipulation it's boardroom meetings and mayor stuff and political ambitions it could be dull but it's made really interesting you know you brought up a question earlier about the whole mayor thing and mm. i think because max shrek used that moment and capitalized on it for his own gain that made him a stronger villain against everyone it made him a stronger yeah. opponent because now he's not just leashed by 
penguin because, mm-hmm. all right, I'm being blackmailed. What we're seeing is just because it seems like he was down for a moment doesn't mean he's not going to turn this to his advantage. And yeah. he could do that against Batman or Catwoman. Yeah. And at that point, it becomes everybody's enemy. Right. Penguin's manipulating him. He's manipulating Penguin. You know, he's tried to kill Selina Kyle. Batman wants him gone because he's evil and wants to, you know, create the power capacitor and steal yeah. power from Gotham. And yeah, so it all just kind of comes comes together and and works well. Yeah, mm. even towards the end, you when obviously when um, Selina Kyle drags him out of the water, and Bat- Batman comes in, he says, "You're not just saving a life; you're saving it." And Batman tells him to shut up. You're going to jail. He's, even at that point, he's still trying to manipulate. Isn't he saying, you're, right. "You're not just saving me; you're saving you're saving Gotham; you're saving everything and all that." And he's like, "Shut up! You're going to jail." Here's, here's an interesting thing, which I think in some ways might have improved the film, but also might not. In the original script, Max Shrek was going to be revealed as the Penguin's brother. No, so no, he would have he would have been worked. the he would have been the younger brother, the same couple uh, that abandoned him. Um, I, I don't know if maybe that link could have worked or no, sure. because- it could have, but it, they didn't need it. No, it still works. There's a lot of dialogue where I'm like. I can I can imagine that being said by a brother, by an older brother, um, or a younger brother. I can I can you know like reclaiming the birthright dialogue and stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, I could imagine that having that connection, but I I don't know if I necessarily need it. Um, but it was definitely in there to begin with. No, oh, I'm glad. I think that, I'm glad I'm they glad didn't, didn't go that route. In. Yeah, I I don't think it would have worked. I think it would have just been a bit too heavy handed mm. for me. I like the idea that they're separate entities and one's being blackmailed, like we've said, hmm. and he's turning that blackmail on his head to say, well, well, well how, if I make you mayor, you know, is, is that okay? You know, and then you help me because I make you mayor. I think that works better because it, it's, it's a sleazy businessman hmm. rather than, oh, I'm yeah. secretly your brother. Uh, I'm your brother. Uh, lol. It, it, doesn't, it wouldn't work for me. Here's another thing as well. Before Tim Burton signed on for a sequel, uh, it was called Batman 2, the film. And the plot, shit you not, was about the Penguin and Catwoman hunting for buried treasure under Wayne Manor. Yeah, that sounds like a 60s version. <laughs> mm. Isn't that well, what Batman Forever became? I guess. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> they were well, just how searching, did we get, how did we get searching for a box game? office. That's what they were searching for. McDonald's toys and advertising. Yeah. Um but uh, yeah, that's that's apparently what the original um, story was going to be until Tim Burton said, "Nah, Jets and all this." Um, and um, Marlon Wayans was supposed to uh, return in this. He he didn't. I get... forgot about that. You're mm. right. He was supposed to be Dick Robin, Grayson, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Because he was supposed to turn up in the first one, but they cut it. The Joker was supposed to kill his family, uh, and then he was kind of helping Batman stop the Joker. Um, but then they were going to kind of repurpose the idea because he was still signed on. Um, but again, they didn't use him, but he still made the money. He still got full pay um, for the role he never did twice. So I don't know that he's the right choice for Robin. He's kind of silly, but... Mm. I mean, he's, he's better than milk toast Chris O'Donnell, though, isn't he? Too, too old Chris O'Donnell. <laughs> 25 years of age. <laughs> you, don't, you don't need to... There has to be a happy medium in there. Like, just someone... I mean, he's... He needs to be more serious than a Wayans, but mm. <laughs> more interesting than O'Donnell. <laughs> so, somewhere in there, in there, there's there's something, there's something there. But um, yeah, uh, another... rusted metal Batman. <laughs> huh? Oh God, it's holy, full of holes, you know. 
That now that is camp. If we're talking <laughs> camp, that is pure camp. Um, another thing I noticed on this rewatch was a lot of religious imagery, like the Moses imagery at the beginning with the penguin mm-hmm. being sent down the river. Yep. Uh, Batman spreads yep. his wings in like a Christ-like pose, and the penguin, and like Moses, he comes back and goes after all the firstborns. Absolutely, and I was going to say King Herod as well. There's, there's yep. a bit of that in there. Um, there was because the the symbolism, the religious symbolism, was so strong. <laughs> some religious groups were using the image of of the Batman and the Bat signal on the poster, like Batman Returns. Uh, they were replacing the bat with a dove, and they were going. He returns. Hmm. Wow, that's some good marketing. <laughs> I'm sold. <laughs> I'll join up. I'll join up. Um, but yeah, you know, and it kind of makes it makes a bit of sense with it being obviously it's at Christmas, and um, you know, I, I can I can definitely see that. But I, ne- I didn't. I never really picked up on it before. But this time I was like, oh yeah, yeah. There's that great shot of the penguin is in the cemetery. Isn't he? But he finds the, finds the grave thing. and he drops to his knees in front of the cross, doesn't he? True. Yeah, I know. I know Christmas is, you know, it's it's more of a pagan, you know, thing that was co-opted by Christianity. But yeah, there's, I mean, there's some links and stuff. Oh, another thing I, I forgot to mention: uh, the penguin dies um, at the age of thirty-three, which is the exact same mm-hmm. age that Jesus uh-huh. died. <laughs> so, Very see? good. Crazy. Very good. <laughs> that's that's my IMDb. Uh, uh, <laughs> Like, oh, is link. that in the trivia? <laughs> it is. It is. I'm just stealing. I'm just stealing stuff. Go read it yourself. Um, most of it is just like, oh, the penguin is referencing this when he calls her Beauty and the Beast. He reference. He's referencing Beauty and the Beast. I'm like, oh, wow. I was Thanks like, for sharing that. Thanks for writing, taking the time to write that down because nobody would have ever got that. I was just like, I oh. was wondering. <laughs> <laughs> Here's an interesting personal fact for yourself. Um, Going back to you saying like 33, uh, 33 years. Um, so when I originally got these films on VHS, obviously watched the first Batman. Um, brilliant. Yeah, great. And then because Batman Returns starts in the past, well, at that young age, I didn't I didn't I didn't recognize yeah. that it takes place in the past. Mm. So me, I thought it ha- oh, this is happening straight after the first one. So the baby's born just after uh, Joker's been killed. 33 years later and i was always like why is batman not really old i, just, I couldn't figure it out I figure it out. it took it took uh, i think uh, i must have been about 12 or 13 when i actually went fucking hell you moron it's it's a it's 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 30 it's because it says 33 years later i always just went oh 33 years after the first batman film wow okay um he's so young still <laughs> i was gonna say a nine-year-old kid going what why is he so young oh, I don't get it. yeah i was, was gonna like, say my young it naivety it is on the screen as well yeah. but it's not like it's not like an implied you know yeah. change of time it is like 33 years yeah. later <laughs> but my, my literal my literal nine-year-old brain went 33 years after the first batman film get you right, right. cool <laughs> really when i got a little bit older upon rewatch i went Oh, you idiot. <laughs> in the film, obviously, there's so many great scenes, great small moments, great action sequences. Uh, I think the dialogue and the script writing is superb. 
Uh, it was mostly written by the writer of Heathers, and I think you can tell that with the kind of the dark, disturbing, you know, sexual dialogue, especially. Um, <laughs> do you do you have a favorite moment or scene uh, within? Obviously, you have to. It's a hard choice to make to just pick one out of of the film. I I have one, but I don't know about you guys. Or if if you need more time to think, I can tell you mine. Ooh. Not easy, but I know what what I always go back to is the kiss. Kiss uh, the mm-hmm. mistletoe. Yes. I mean, the whole scene, the power dynamic, the way she climbs on top of him. I wonder how many times they had to do that scene. I wrote a a thing about kissing on my blog once, and I was thinking that, uh, yeah, Michael Keaton's like, let's go again. (laughs) I think we can do better. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't quite right. Uh, Are you feeling it? I'm not feeling it. Uh, Try again. Um, I I encourage you to watch that in slow motion because it is divine. Okay. All right. Oh my. Oh my. And it's a crucial moment in the film because it's how they learn each other's identities with mm. the lines that they say to each other. Well, so yep. it's That's... the storytelling that really pulls me in. Sure. Sure. Not the. Uh, not the. Uh, PVC, <laughs> I, I believe you. Rubber spandex. None of that. None of that. Not the. Uh, the light. It's S&M. the combination of black and shiny with good writing. Sure. Sure. Um, well, that leads on to my favorite scene, um, which is the masquerade ball, which I think mm. is... With the reveal. Oh, just gorgeous. So, f- first of all, they're a masquerade ball, and both... And Selena they're wearing Kyle, their costumes. They are, because that's not their true identities, not their true face. Yes, I love that part. And, yep. the, and they're making fun, because they're like Max Shrek's like, oh, yeah, you've not come with a costume. What are you doing? You know, goody, goody, you know, prep kid, whatever. Yawn, um, yawn, yeah, yes. yawn, uh, and uh, and then the, <laughs> Selena, Selena comes in as well, and we have that moment, and they're dancing. It's shot beautifully. The the soundtrack is amazing as well. It's haunting and beautiful, um, and it's all you know, it's just so gorgeous. And it, again, it's not, it's not for me. Like it's not you know weird or grotesque or odd or bizarre, which is you know that that kind of stuff. It's not a big action sequence or a you know, but it's just a wonderful bit of acting and character moment. Um, you know, I love when they when they you know they say the line, they swap their line for the mistletoe can be deadly if you eat it, but a kiss can be even deadlier. And then they come apart, and there's that shot of them both apart, and then they hold each other and again back together. Yeah, and then they're like, oh, do we have to start fighting now? <laughs> Which I think is a great line. Uh, the whole thing is gorgeous. The way the music emphasizes that scene, mm-hmm. like just it holds that note and you can feel it in your heart. In a way, the penguin almost ruins it by coming in and up through the floor, <laughs> to be honest. And like, and usually I'd I be wasn't like, invited, <laughs> so I crashed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but even that was good storytelling because... Yeah. We're in this moment. We are hooked in this moment. What are they going to do now? And as they step away, which they're only stepping away because they had this moment, and this is going all the way back to that kiss, because if that hadn't happened, this wouldn't be happening. It's yeah, all connected. You say they we step to, away we and we boom. I don't we? Mm. Yeah. yeah. Well, I love they, that. I love that line because they're both like, what do we do now? She's like, do we have to fight you? Because they have been fighting all the way through, and it's like they're, they're all like their real, their real masks, their real personalities are taking over. They have to fight you. That's what I love. I, I love it as well. Uh, did you have a, a favorite scene apart from that one, Andy, or is the one you'd pick out? Well, you, you know me. I'm a man who 
especially with this film, because we've talked about it so much in the past, there are multiple scenes that I love in this film. Some of them, you know, you know, very short moments, like, you know, your nose could be gushing blood. <laughs> fight scenes. I love the fight scenes in this. I love the initial when Batman charges into Gotham to fight the fight the motorcyclists and uses all the weapons on the Batmobile. I love that. I think it's fantastic. That's his murder moment. Yeah. Oh, I love it. When he sets fire to that that guy breathing fire. I don't give a shit that Batman kills him. he straps a bomb to a dude and yeah. drops him down. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's great because it shows Batman utilizing all his different skills and abilities. So even much though for he, that one even though he's still <laughs> Even though he's still upright and very, very staccato. You know, you don't yeah. see him. You don't, like I said, he's a, he's a living gargoyle. You don't see him move all that much. Because the suit, the suit's horribly, you know, doesn't allow him to move. Defining. Yeah, but it works for the Batman. But my my favorite scene in this, and it's, it's probably a bit cliched, um, as per the soundtrack soundtrack title, Selena transforms. Oh, I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, when she comes home. And she replicates the way she enters the apartment, where she replicates how we first see her enter the apartment, and yet she's all disheveled and everything. Hi, honey, I'm home. Yeah, she recreates the line. Oh, I forgot I'm not walks in. She does all the things she does when she first gets into the apartment, plays the answering machine, and she fucking flips, and the music comes in. The music um, on the soundtrack, it's uh, Selena Transforms Part 2. The music the atmosphere, the tension. I love that you she, know the title. Yeah, she's tr- she's tearing apart her life. She's tearing apart her previous life. She's tearing apart all her belongings. You said earlier, she already has the coat. She's tearing it apart. She's remodeling it. She's creating herself. She's, you know, creating this Frankenstein piece of who she should be, which is why all the stitching's all over her face. She's a Frankenstein because she doesn't know who she is anymore. She's broken. She's been shattered into a million pieces by the weight of everything that's going on. And she's crashed. She's shattered. So she's piecing it all back together. I love the imagery. I love the fact that she destroys all the beautiful possessions, sprays them with black. And then the final shot, when everything's calming down and she seems like she's, you know, carefully putting this costume together, this facade... And we get that final shot. Hell here! Oh, you son of a bitch! It's 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 superb. It's absolutely superb. I I, I have to agree. That's one of my favourites, if not my second favourite. It's just great. Just I, I love the the symmetry and the just the the dichotomy of those mm. two scenes. How different they are. Um, I live alone, and I shit you not. I have entered my own flat and said that line <laughs> <You know? laughs> nobody for nobody here i'm just just got my own entertainment i'm like oh i'm not married uh, but again it's performance it's it's right. all performance it's all performance because we see how how differently she does things she's pouring the milk in the cat bowl and pours it all over the floor when she did it so carefully the first time around and instead of pouring it into a glass for herself she drinks Coming it out and pours it down herself it, she's doing the same actions, yet they're completely the, the other the other end of her personality, where she doesn't give a shit anymore, or she doesn't quite comprehend what she's doing fully. It's it's incredible. It's, it's because they do so much with duplicity and and dichotomy. Yeah. They do all of these things that mirror each other throughout this film. There's the yeah. scene that Dan and I were just discussing. They were two sides of the same coin. Yeah, same exactly. thing. They show her go in. Her personality is split, and we're getting the other side of it. Yeah. They do it over and over again in this, and they do it so well. Yeah. And those who do not see this are missing something. They're missing a yeah. lot. Like, like we've been saying, there's so 
many layers to the characters. And I think it is a character piece. Like it, it is all about the characters. The plot is, you know, here and there. And some people will complain that it's a bit, you know, it's a bit, you know, this people say there's problems with the pacing or the plot. Again, I disagree, completely disagree. I disagree um, completely, 100%. Fair. Yeah, I, I, it's just it within like the I think plot lo- problem was the Batmobile. Yeah, for me, that's now, the biggest issue for me, definitely. That's a legitimate gripe, but yeah, I think it's like, rest, no, yeah, I, I think they're just like, oh, it's a bit haphazard or it's a bit kind of you know, bits, bit bitty all over the show. You know, oh, there's not enough Batman, I think was a complaint as well, which I'm <laughs> gonna, I'm gonna talk about in the listener comments, so we'll get back to that. Um, but no, I, I think if it it was not for the central performances of of Michael Keaton, um, Danny DeVito and Michelle Pfeiffer, film wouldn't work. It just wouldn't. It's chemistry work. with all of them. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Let, let's talk about Michael Keaton because we haven't really mentioned him. Obviously, he has uh, slightly less kind of screen time in this film, but I think he's again fantastic. He's funny. He's charming. He's awkward. He's a bit odd because because he's not really a playboy. He's more like the kind of rich misfit or like recluse yeah um which i, I like that they play that angle because i think it's a, probably a bit more relatable in a way as well because i think that kind of playboy persona is always fake in the comics and it's you know yeah. i think christian bale got that right in his version because it was like oh i'm just going to play up to it but it's not yeah. real uh, me he did an excellent job of that yeah, I think yeah. I think that that aspect of of Bruce Wayne he really captured really well, and like oh, and, uh, you know, he drives into that guy in the Dark Knight, and he was like, oh, I didn't even see the stop sign and things like yeah. that. I just, you know, perfect. But I but I think Keaton's Batman is so iconic for for those reasons because he is an unconventional lead, he's an unconventional uh, character, and and I've always appreciated him. And and again, he has less screen time in this, but when he's on screen, he owns it. Absolutely. I'm not someone who thinks that you have to have more screen time to. No, I'm just I'm just using that as, a, as no, an example. I, I know, yeah. and it bothers me because okay, so he doesn't have the most screen time, but that's part of what makes it so effective. When you oversaturate the screen with someone, they become dull. They become boring. Mm-hmm. You're you're tired of being around them. And Batman is mysterious. He shouldn't. We shouldn't be watching him all of the time. He should pop up and scare people. Yeah. be mysterious I, I love the mystery in him i mean the the brooding mystery of batman is what makes him so attractive yeah and he, he interacts he interacts with the with the film and with the characters in all the right places at all the right times and you, you really feel his impact so another another favorite scene of mine is when you know, all this battle's taking place in the middle of Gotham and he's beating all the goons up and then Penguin just stood, sat there, you know, just sat there touring the riot scene, like you said before. And we have that sort of back and forth um, between them before Catwoman turns up and they're both like, who the fuck are you? Um, we have that. I saw her first. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta fly. <laughs> Brilliant. But I, I, it's interesting that they say that he doesn't have enough screen time. He does a lot in this film. There's a lot more action. He's involved a lot more in terms of fight, and he's involved a lot more in trying to figure things out. You know, he's involved, you know, as Bruce better in this film. I think, yeah, because like like we said, like you said with your favorite scene, Tonya, like there's that there's that bit at the end where they're really delving into the character. So you don't need more screen time if. The impact of the character there is there. If the writing's there, in 
in all the scenes and especially in that scene in the ballroom it's it's really heavy it's really weighty and it's good solid dialogue you don't need them to be on screen all the time waffling away <laughs> meaningless waffle you know which is what we get in some superhero films at the moment like oh well we've, we've got to have we've got to have this character on doing saying this well why what are they offering or they're just there because essentially it's a glorified extended cameo get rid of them they're not offering anything to the film in this they, they play him exactly as he's needed within the story with the rest of the characters around him it's when 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 it gets real and it gets more intense when the plans unveiled then we see him springing into action which is what batman is like you say you don't need batman to be there all the time prosaying over everything you know he's, he's investigating he should be investigating right no I, I think i think you're right i think you again i, I it's i'm just the yes man to both your opinions because <laughs> i'm just like yeah 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 oh yeah um yeah i i, I don't personally get it but that's just the criticism i've i've seen out there again i don't agree with it but i you know i I, there's there's place for all types of opinions um even ones i don't agree with and that's why i brought them up because i you know i don't want us to be just like going this is the best film ever even though it is and tonya's favorite film obviously (laughs) um (laughs) uh so uh kind of as we're as we're slowly kind of coming to an end of the podcast are there any kind of uh, things that you want to say? Is there anything we haven't mentioned, like uh, quotable lines? Like one of, one of my favourites is like is uh, when Selena Kyle goes, "How could you? I'm a woman." A woman. <laughs> As a I was woman. saying, I'm a woman and can't yeah. be taken for granted. Life's a bitch. Now so am I. Perfect. Yeah. What a line reading. You've got the part, Tonya. You've got the part. <laughs> I have been uh, practicing my whole life. <laughs> Did you did you hear I, about? I wanted uh, to talk about the scene at the hmm. end with the reveal, where ah. she already knows who he is, but he still does that dramatic moment. And I know that some people hate that he does that, but I think this is the one time it made sense for him to reveal himself hmm. because yeah, he it humanizes him. Right. It was a choice. It wasn't just a throwaway moment. In the other films, hmm. it drives me crazy. I think he. He reveals himself too easily. Yeah. But this time, he is making a statement. I yeah. know all of this stuff that you have done, and I'm telling you that I am willing to give up my anonymity yeah. to connect with you, and let's let's work through this. Yeah, he's trying to save her, isn't he, by saying, look, right. I, I, I've done terrible things wearing this mask. You're, you've done terrible things. I can save you. I I can save you. You can save me in a way. That's what right. it is. It's the it's the ultimate sort of removing the shackles that you've got, like the yeah. weight of the helm. You know, taking it off, throwing it to the floor, dropping the sword. Right. It's it's all of that. It's exposing yourself emotionally. Like he made himself so vulnerable in that moment because yeah. he's doing it in front of Max Shrek. Yeah. And he's trying he to Batman save Max's idiot. life and doing that, you know? Bruce Wayne, why are you dressed up like Batman? Because <laughs> he is Batman, you moron. That's it, moron. That's it. I think, we, <laughs> I think me and Andy always misquote it as idiot, but it is actually moron. Um, but like we were saying about those masks, he's saying, I will give up this. Right. I will yeah. give up a part of me 
in order to save you and to you know to save me i'm throwing this this is my true face and i am letting it go i'm, t- I'm literally can see, tearing it you can see her working through it it's like it is so tempting this yeah this is a life that she could she could throw away all of this trauma and start working towards something that is wonderful and beautiful and fulfilling. The two of like she knows she, I made a real connection with this person in a horrible time during my life. Maybe my life doesn't have to end in tragedy. Maybe I don't have to go through with this thing. It's so tempting. Mm-hmm. And you can see the pain, the internal pain, because she's just an incredible actress and she's revealing all of that through her body language, through her facial features. Yeah. And then she, she, she was gets... also in physical pain due to that costume because it was so yeah. tight. She would sometimes pass out. Um, that costume was that tight on her. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. Suffer for your art, Michelle. That's Pfeiffer. right. <laughs> um, hey, she doesn't regret the role. No. And and that stuff she does with a whip, that's all her. Yeah. Oh, I know. It was one take. <laughs> she had to say meow like a million times, but. The whip scene once. And they were like, done, <laughs> cut, wrap, finish for the day. Great you did work. It. I just, I love this film. I love this film. And uh, here's one thing I like to talk about. What do we think of the army of penguins? Hilarious. It's 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 the it's the most it, for me. It's it's utterly ridiculous. Like they've this this a massive amount of army of, of penguins. I mean, I hope I hope the RSPCA was contacted um, by Batman following the conclusion following <laughs> following Penguin's death because who's going to look after them? To be quite honest, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it's utterly ridiculous. But again, it's another element of the clowning, isn't it? You, you go with it because you believe it because the way the rest of the film has been set up for you, you believe in it because. The characters have it told was you more it's believable possible. than them getting the bat, the Batmobile. Yeah, I agree. Like the blueprints that was <laughs> even even with the little, hats level, and the little hats and the I could not suspend my disbelief for that one. <laughs> yeah, well, I think by that point you're like you're either Penguin into the army, theater. sure. Yeah, you're like you know, yeah, I'm in, I'm in. You know, I've seen you know weird stuff. Um, I I read as well that um, Stan Winston, who created the the animatronic penguins, he found one of the real penguins kind of snuggled up with the animatronic one, <laughs> <laughs> which I think is sort of like a really really sweet kind of story for. Uh, and and obviously you know it's a it's kind of a celebration of Stan's work as well. You know, rest in peace, Stan, who did all of the great mm-hmm. kind of animatronics and. You know, Alien Queen and everything, but um, but yeah, there's and there's a lot of character in those <laughs> walking around, yeah. uh, waddling about, and and yeah, by this point you're like, yeah, fuck it, you know, yeah, and, you get uh, you get to handle that by by this point, then what are you even doing watching a comic book movie? To be quite honest, <laughs> absolutely, you know? again, it, embrace embracing that ridiculous a little bit, um, and they yeah. really work with the whole Tim Burton black and white theme. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, 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 absolutely, they fit right in. I did think, like, I just watched um, Nightmare Before Christmas um, a few days ago for the Disney discussions, which is coming out. Isn't it interesting that Sally is all stitched up, just like Catwoman? Yeah, and I was going to say that Jack Skellington has a similar kind of look to Max Shrek. Quite similar. Oh, that's really just a Tim Burton look. Yeah, I know. You look at Beetlejuice and Edward Scissorhands. I guess that's more of a Catwoman look, the Edward Scissorhands shine. 
Mm-hmm. But that's that I don't consider that a Max Schreck look. I think I think of that as a Tim Burton look. Um, here's something I noticed as well in in the film. This isn't I, I found this out myself, not IMDB. This is me research watching. So in Max Schreck's office, there are pictures of him meeting various celebrities, including Elvis, Sammy Davis Jr., and Arnold Schwarzenegger. But is it Arnold Schwarzenegger? Or is it Dr. Victor Freeze? <laughs> Interesting. Mm, see? See? Interesting. You you can spot that in the... I think it's the opening scene when they're in the office and they're like, yeah. you know, that's not growth. It's a mild swelling. Uh, yeah. All that sort of stuff. <laughs> Just all of the quotes. It's so quotable as well. I could do it all day. Yeah, we've it, we've it, done it all day. Yeah. You we know, have, yeah. It, and and we we wouldn't even touch the surface of half of the the best lines in it, I think. No. Um, but uh, before we come <laughs> to an end, um, have you got any final thoughts? And then I'm going to go on to some listener comments. It's completely rewatchable. This film, like it hasn't shown its age for me. I don't think Batman eighty nine has, due to some of the things you know, some of the way it's shot, um, some of the effect for this because. A lot, of, a lot of it in this film is all is very practical. It feels very lived in. It feels even even with the the, the ridiculous level of amount of snow in a city center, where you know, again, New York gets bloody blitzed with snow, doesn't it? But it, it even in this ridiculousness, you still feel that it's real because everyone, like I think Tonya said before, because everyone's so bloody invested in it, they make it real. It feels real. It feels like these characters exist that's what makes it so rewatchable i think that's what makes makes it such a good film for me because i i believe these characters i believe what they're saying i believe what they're doing and that's always a good marker for me if i believe and i believe the characters i believe what they're saying and i believe the writing i believe what i'm being shown then you've won you've won for me i i absolutely adore this film I absolutely adore this film. It's not perfect by any means. I, I wouldn't say it's in, in my top 10, but whenever whenever I put this film on, I don't want to turn it off. I love watching it. I love watching it right the way through to the end, even until the final image. Um, we get that really sort of heartfelt sort of like, you know, Bruce Wayne thinks he sees her. Does he see her? Um and you know he's, he's searching for and when the camera pans up and the signal comes on and then her head pops up i've always loved that moment i've always loved that moment because it's the idea that the stories can continue um which is what i was saying earlier on like you know i really wish you know back then villains had to die in films didn't they because you needed people needed closure they needed things to end I I do wish we could have maybe, if things have gone better with Batman Forever, if things hadn't changed, if they hadn't, if Warner Bros. hadn't sort of bottled it in terms of, oh, we didn't sell enough toys, let's change, let's shake it up. I wonder what could have been different. I wonder if we could have seen her again, if we could have had, you know, a different path, if we could have really honed in to a lot of the ideas this film has going forward and it's a little bit regrettable that things had to change and then eventually slid off completely. But that ending is, it's superb because 
it gives you it gives you a sense of hope and wonder that we will see her again and it keeps everything open and yet you have this terrific you know heartfelt emotional closure as well at the same time uh, it, it's a great film i i always enjoy watching it i don't think i'll ever get tired of it um especially given like the turmoil with DC at the moment, but they don't. Uh-huh. Quite frankly, they don't know what they're doing. They really don't know what they're doing. Hopefully, James Gunn will bring some stability and you know whatever they want to do. And hopefully, we will get back to some good quality stories that we've had in the past and put to bed all this frigging nonsense that's going on. But you, I can always go back and watch this film and just have good fun and totally enjoy it for the the quality filmmaking that it is. Uh, Tonya? I do want to point out that of all of the, you know, the favorite scenes or the best scenes that we've mentioned, they all feature Catwoman in some capacity. They all feature Michelle Pfeiffer. I'm not saying she carried the film because I think that they all gave spectacular performances, Mm. but she definitely shines in this. I also want to say that at no point in any of her crimes did Batman even consider taking her in. No, not once. He didn't try to stop her. He didn't try to arrest her. Maybe he tried to save the ice princess. Uh. But did you see him try to do anything along the lines of preventing her from future crimes? (laughs) Other than at the end where he's in love with her and he's trying to say, let me save your soul and you can save my soul and we can be together. But that wasn't about I'm a good guy and I want us Uh. to live a life of goodness. (laughs) He never tried to bring her in. (laughs) Um, Which is kind of true to the... The original, yeah, yeah, the original appearance. Concept. He let her go. Yeah. Something you mentioned earlier, I want to, um, I want to kind of correct you on, um, Tonya. In fact, so Catwoman was actually not a thief until the appearance of Black Cat and Spider Man. Before that, she was just kind of a regular supervillain. But after that, she became a she was cat stealing burglar. stuff as the cat. When her, she made her first appearance as the cat, she was. Yes, but it, it wasn't like a, a cat burglar, you know, there wasn't the... I didn't say cat burglar. I okay, sorry, I'm just, just saying. Yeah. Stealing jewels. Just saying. But cat <laughs> so woman... I corrected your correction. Oh, there you go. I knew that would happen. Uh, <laughs> Don't um, try it, Dan. Don't see. try it. Well, we, we, all, we all knew that Catwoman was just the pussy that Tonya was looking for. <laughs> okay, now... <laughs> Well, he's uh, not wrong, Andy. I'm not. I'm not wrong. I'm not wrong. I want uh, to have her and to be her. I mean, yeah, I can. I can. Yeah, I can agree with that. <laughs> I can agree with that sentiment. Uh, one last question before I do go on to the listener comments. Alternativity stories is all about holidays and films that are set during the holidays, the festive period, be it Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, uh, Christmas, New Year's, Thanksgiving, whatever. Die Hard is a Christmas film. Is this a Christmas film? Yes. It is. Because they have lines in it where they specifically reference Christmas. They specifically speak of Christmas. They are lighting Merry Christmas, Christmas, Mr. Tree. Wayne. Merry <laughs> Christmas, Alfred. Push the button. Christmas film. Yeah. Push the button. The lights go up. Lights go up. Push the button. Yeah. It's, uh, it's set on Christmas. It's set around Christmas. It's set around activities that take place Christmas. It's 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 integral, I think, to the integral plot. to the story, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not just... About, in the it's background, all about family, the time of year, it was part of the plot. Symbolism, mm. yeah, it's, it's all part of it. 
And I, I think there's there's something to be said about Tim Burton saying something about consumerism as well, I think, yeah. in there as well, the consumerism of, of Christmas. So many layers to this comic book movie that we've found. Mm. Um, but, yeah, that's it. Um, actually, one more IMDb fact, which I quite enjoyed. One, just, oh, one, more. just one more. Um, there's over 200 on there. I wasn't going to list all of them. It's not possible. But this one is quite – But one. you did read all of them. I did, unfortunately. Good for you. Look at the investment <laughs> you put in your own podcast. I research stuff. I know Andy likes people that do research, so I can't let him down. Well, because mm. I wrote an essay on Catwoman this year, I researched stuff, which is how I knew her first appearance, <laughs> which I already did know, but I knew for certain her first appearance she okay. was stealing stuff. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. I, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. And I, I, I'm I happy. I don't know why you still try to argue with me. <laughs> I, I, I mean, win, Dan. never, never. Um, I mean, you I like, strike her down, she'll become more powerful than you <laughs> possibly. <imagine. laughs> I like, I like the, I enjoy the mental gymnastics. I love giving my brain a workout. I think, uh, even though I That's always fair. ultimately fail, I like the, I like the. Because you're better there. than you were before you tried, right? Absolutely, I'm, I'm, be- I'm a better person, a more knowledgeable person now. For you having told me that, but this last bit of IMDb trivia is about yeah. Wallace and Gromit, the wrong trousers. Nick Park, the animator of Wallace and Gromit and all those other kind of uh, Ardman films, loved Batman Returns. And Feathers McGraw, the best villain that he ever created, um, is the villain in The Wrong Trousers, is based and inspired on one of the Paul Bearer penguins in this film and says that The Wrong Trousers is a spiritual sequel to Batman Returns. Get out. No. I mean, I, I I don't know for sure. Again, any any fucker can write that IMDb comment, but I kind of yeah. love it, and I can kind of understand. And that is a scary penguin if you've ever seen that film. That is I scary. have not. I guess I need to see that now. You do need to see, yeah, the wrong track. It, it, is, it is really good. You should include animation. it in the links for the show notes. Yeah, if if it's uh, if it's available somewhere, It'll I will. It'll be on YouTube. Yeah, it's probably. only 20 minutes long. It yeah, it's really tiny. Good. It's a but quintessential it's a... British classic. Yeah, stop motion, absolute, just pure excellence. This is my favourite Wallace and Gromit um, iteration or sequel yeah. or whatever. Um, but yes, quickly going on <laughs> to our listener comments before we finish. Um, but that was a bizarre um, last little comment from Feathers me. Feathers McGraw. His, Feathers McGraw. He's one of the Penguin's goons. <laughs> oh, I love that. Uh, there we go. There we go. We love we love going weird on this podcast, and that was certainly weird. So, listener comments: Paul Meller at the Meller Geek on Twitter. Um, I basically just ask if anyone has any questions or wants to say anything about Batman Returns, how they feel about it. Uh, Paul uh, put a little gif of Batman giving a thumbs up, and then he said, "A hmm. proper Christmas movie." Yep, which we agree with. Uh, John Hammond, that's at John Hammond 73 on Twitter. He says, for me, the best of the Burton Batman movies. Michelle Pfeiffer, oh my lord. <laughs> DeVito, suitably creepy, but you get why he's doing what he's doing. And Keaton on form again as Bruce Wayne, Batman. Great performances, an almost flawless movie. And why doesn't Christmas really look like that? Mm. That is an amazing comment. And how did you fit all that in the character space for Twitter? Uh, I, I I don't know, but he, he's a good he's a good one. Yeah, John Hammond also has a new YouTube channel uh, uh, that he's just started called Horromantic. Um, so go and check him out. Subscribe. I'll put the link in there as well. He's I a love good... the way that sounds. <laughs> Horromantic. Um, yeah. Inspired inspired by a film I 
introduced him to via the VHS Strikes Back. I'll leave I'll leave the link below. Uh, <laughs> leave the link. I'll leave he the link below. He does. He does. Uh, keeps bringing it up. Um, so Max Byrne actually has a question for us. So Max Byrne, are, who has just been on our Young Sherlock Holmes podcast on Facebook, he said, my question, is it right that Batman has less screen time than Catwoman? So I've answered this question. I've done the research again. Um, so the screen time data for Batman Returns, Danny DeVito is on screen 30.82%. So we're counting the actors, not the actual characters, because Batman and Bruce Wayne are not the same. Oh, God, don't get into this. <laughs> I've, I've, I've got it down as the so You went by actor. Okay, I'm going by know, actor. We're going by actor. We're going by actor. Go by actor. Go by actor. Just actors on screen, whoever they might be. I can't do division, so yeah. Oh god, yeah. I'm I'm just hard. (laughs) It is, especially for me. Um, But yeah, I've got the I've got the figures here. I've got the data. So all I'm going to do is read. (laughs) Danny DeVito is on screen for uh, 38 minutes and 57 seconds, 30.82 percent of the time. Michelle Pfeiffer is on screen for 36 minutes and 46 seconds, 29.9% of the time. Michael Keaton is on screen for 32 minutes and 24 seconds and 25.64% of the time. Christopher Walken is on screen for 26 minutes and 6 seconds or 20.65% of the screen time. So, So, yes, so she does have more screen time than Batman. By what about by, by about five Not minutes? Much, uh, yeah. So 36, uh, 36, uh, 46 for Michelle Pfeiffer, and thirty-two uh, minutes and twenty-four seconds. Mm-hmm. So yeah, a good a good four or five minutes uh, on there. Um, but yeah, so I think helps. a lot of that a lot of that is origin stuff, isn't it? Yeah. So well, the hell here scene, you know. Yeah. That's quite a significant chunk, and and we've got to introduce not only Max Shrek, the Penguin, and Catwoman in yeah. this film, so it kind of makes sense that Batman has a little less screen time. Again, mm. it doesn't really matter because no. he's on screen. When, when you take into account their origin stories, yeah. their plans, what they're going to do, and what their motivations are, really, it's not, when when you when you take that out. Mm. There's not really that there's not, not not really that much less that Michael Keaton has in terms of involvement in this film, isn't it? So when you when you think about mm. people complaining that he's not really in the film, well, you take away the villain character origins, they've pretty much got an equal equal footing in terms of how they how they how they work through the story when when the action kicks in, when they when the motivations are crossing, when they're engaging with each other, mm. it's pretty much on par. True, yeah. I know I know one of the criticisms was actually from Warner Bros. themselves because Tim Burton says Michael Keaton will work for eleven million dollars in this part. And Warner Bros. are very like reticent to give them the money, give him the money because he's like, well, he's he's not on screen. But Burton was like, no, he deserves every penny of that eleven million dollars. Yeah. And uh, I agree. I it's, the, it's the imagery, it's the way he portrays both characters. The Batman is this 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 scary figure and when he's on screen like i said you're engrossed by everything he's doing you, you know you're fascinated by his eyes it's the, the acting in the eyes it's impossible it's it's impossible to i mean before this wasn't so he well kind of eyes. dismissed as mr mom wasn't he yeah like yeah a comedic yeah. actor and people didn't re- recognize him as a real actor yeah, mm. well, yeah. when you watch the work that he does with his eyes even when he's just staring at someone 
he's not just staring without any thought. There's thought process behind everything he's doing, the way he positions himself when he's standing there. When when he saves Selena first, you know, when he fires that thing behind that guy's head, he goes, ah, you missed, pulls it towards him. There's that there's that moment where she's where he's kind of just there, sort of looking at her. And right. there's, there's something going on there. There's some thought process that he's got he's working for as an actor to to make it seem awkward. Is it awkward or is he just sort of making sure she's okay without actually asking her if yeah. she's okay? Is she in until, until she starts babbling on? Then he goes, Right, I'm gonna go now because she's yeah. babbling on. I need to I need to leave. Yeah, you know, she, she's, she's fine. I'm gonna shaking go. and flat fell over or yeah. something. She'd be in shock or yeah. something. But yeah, no, he's just going. So there's a lot going okay. on there. But again, this is what I was saying about Warner Brothers bottling it and panicking for no reason because now they're craving dark and serious with mm. the Batman. Yeah. You know, back then, if they just stuck to the guns, if they'd listened to, you know, to what was presented to them, trusted in the vision, which so many studios at the moment just don't trust the vision. They meddle, they mess. And then they fuck it up. I've know. always said one of the worst things about DC Comics is that it's all owned by Warner Bros. Yeah, I think I think that's DC Comics' worst problem is that it's owned by Warner Bros. And they're just don't know what to do, never known what to do. And no. you know they'll get a good one and they'll go, oh, let's continue doing that. Uh, anyway, let's get back to these comments. Sorry, uh, sorry, no, it's me again waffling on as I always do. Tonya's fan favorite, <laughs> the fan favorite, Andy, Angry Andy reviews. Uh, it takes prepare for prattle to heart, huh? <laughs> you've, have you, you've seen these podcasts? I yes. used to have to split them in two I, with them. When I get riled up, I can't help it. it comes right, up. and it's very entertaining. <laughs> uh, so, so, the more riled up you get, the stronger your accent gets, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Mike Burton of Genuine Chit Chat. Uh, I think on I've Facebook. heard of him. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. He's all right. He'll do. He'll do. Sounds he familiar. says... Uh, He's so really organized and has the really great show notes, right? Excellent, excellent show notes. Uh, mind pale in comparison. I'll probably forget half the stuff I've said I've put in Better. there. Probably not in there. Um, I, I might not even do show notes. Who knows? Let's see what happens. Um, <laughs> so uh, he said, uh, I posted the poster and I said, you know, um, with the, the bat symbol and the goo of uh, Penguin's mouth. Uh, and there's a little kitty cat as well. And he says, that's a cool poster. Ovs, the movie is great too. It is in my top three Batman movies. Man after my own heart. And uh, another person that we we know well, very well, who messaged me earlier uh, when we were talking about it on on uh, Facebook. It's Rhea Carrigan, and she says Batman Returns is epic. I used to watch it obsessively when I was younger. And, Hell uh, yeah! <laughs> same, same here, Rhea. Same here. Uh, last three comments are from Instagram. Uh, from my story on Instagram, uh, our friend Nathan Richard Smith has made a comment again. I said, what do you think of Batman Returns? And he goes, could be worse. Your nose can be gushing blood. <laughs> of course he did. <laughs> and uh, of course he did quote it. Oh, um, job, and I've got a, a person called Ill Man. Ill, no, sorry. Ill Manilo loves Tim Burton. And he said, Peculion or Il Peculion. Uh, which I find out found out off Megan, uh, Mike's partner, means great movie. Oh, oh yeah. So yeah, and then uh, and then uh, Bashi Bazook, um, as we as we know him, uh, he said best Christmas movie ever. <laughs> and there we go. There we have it. That is our Batman Returns podcast. 
once delayed, but I think we all delivered uh, and the fan favourites have delivered and we've made a diabolical threesome, I think, uh, today. <laughs> uh for our christmas episode but thank you guys i appreciate you coming back i know that we had some uh issues last week but uh i've managed to move some stuff around i'm still on schedule so i'm really glad you were able to do that uh andy where can people find you on the internet well, where do you reside you dark gargoyle you well i wish i could hand out more than just expensive baubles um but you can find me at uh angry andy reviews on youtube that's primarily where i do all of my reviews and um collectible sort of unboxing and things like that i'm in a bit of a hibernation mode at the minute i'm like bruce wayne before the start of this film i'm sat in my in my in my house brooding into the darkness waiting for the symbol to arise um perhaps i'll be sprung into action um when avatar's released but at the moment i'm having a bit of a break I'm just, I'm just chilling. I'm relaxing. The exact opposite of me. Yeah, I, I, I need to. It's, it's been, it's been a busy time. So it always is over Christmas. So, um, telling me, Avatar will probably spring me up. But you can also find me on um, Twitter, uh, Andy underscore Review, um, and primarily most of my rantings and ravings are on there um at the moment i'm doing 25 days of christmas movie gifs or gifs whatever you want to call them um i'm just posting random random gifs or gifs whatever i don't know what people call them um just some of my favorite christmas movies and random scenes that they have i love it it's great so that's what i'm doing at the minute just taking it easy Cool, cool. Well, um, I'm sure you'll be back on full form in January, um, looking at some of the the weirder because that's January's like the dumping ground for films, yeah, isn't it? Dead month. So I'm, yeah. I'm giving up for January. Dead month. Fair Brand enough. Month. <laughs> but that's when you're at your best, Andy. Um, Tonya, <laughs> Tonya, where can uh, people find you and all the excellent content you're bringing to the world? You can find me across social media at Ms. Tanya Todd. I am actually starting a TikTok account in January. I'm not there yet. I haven't even started it, so you can't follow me yet. But keep keep your eyes peeled for that. You can follow my newsletter to know when the announcement comes, which is on my website, MsTanyaTodd.com. The Band Book series is on my YouTube channel. And then keep your, your eyes and ears ready for Fem on podcast collective that i am working Ooh. with some spectacular ladies some of whom your listeners have already heard some who might be new mm. I, can't, I can't wait i can't wait i can't get enough of them on film and i can't get away I, i'm gonna really just delve into all this uh collective i love the idea i love that it's growing becoming larger and encompassing more people more of that please um yes uh cryptic i, I want to know i want to know reveals tell me yeah. the reveals and, <laughs> no and, i'm all about the tease the tease well well i'm going to tease the podcast for uh for ourselves in january so we're going to tease um uh tonya will be back and we're going to be talking a couple of vampire films in january Ooh. and uh yes a very interesting very unique won't spoil too much because tonya has be very that. unique it's unique or it's not unique then we'll find out because I haven't seen them either, so I don't know if they're unique. They could be very, very pedestrian. So, These are uh, films that you've not seen. No, 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 no. That's a rare for you. 
Oh, there's I'm, a lot. Of, a lot of these. I have, a lot of the films I, I <laughs> intrigued. A lot of the films I haven't. I haven't seen that I bring up. Um, <laughs> I know. I know about them to a degree, even if I've spoiled them for myself. But yeah, we're <laughs> going to be doing. We're going to be doing something. Uh, so uh, keep your eyes and ears. Pe- ears mostly peeled if you can peel those. Um, but yes, you can find me. You can over- peel anything with skin. True, true. And I'm sure Tonya has tried. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Facebook, you can find me at Secret Balls. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Mastodon at Dan underscore Balls. Instagram at Spider Dan Secret Balls. Review, like, share, comment, subscribe, etc. And don't forget to use the hashtag prepare for prattle. And we have certainly prattled on today uh, when you interact with us. If you want to be joined, if, if you want to join the Pratalian and to be briefed in full on the Secret balls swing over to prattle world at spider down the secret balls.com uh, i'd like to thank all my patrons uh, i love you guys thank you again and if you ever find yourself in a position where you can support the podcast please consider it guys happy holidays everybody thank you so much again for doing this and i hope you have a brilliant festive season uh goodbye fill the void meowy christmas